This year, we're talking about 2020 vision. We're talking about seeing what God can do. And we know that God can do great things. We have a, a congregation filled with thousands of people who have been transformed by the power of God. And, and we know that God can save sinners because he saved us. Uh, the worst of sinners in, in, our, in our own minds. And, and what God can do is beyond what we could ever produce on our own. And so what we're seeking to do is join God in what He can do. And, and we simply say that what we're attempting to do is to give an impact, to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And this needs to be not merely a statement of fact, but it needs to be a way that we assess our own Christian life. Are you indeed, are you making an impact in your home, in, in your neighbors, in every generation with the hope of Jesus? As we seek to fulfill the great commission found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, we, we need to think in terms of those very specific categories as we're praying for an awakening. Join God in bringing about an awakening. So we're beginning a new series in the context of seeing what God can do. And we're, we're going to talk about life change. When an impact happens, when we impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus, there will be a life change. And what we want to study in this series is what that life change is, uh, what exactly it looks like, how we can know that it's happening, how we can celebrate it, and then how we can also know that we are participating in it appropriately. If you'll look on the cover of your bulletin, you'll see a favorite image of mine. Whenever we talk about life change, I, I like the imagery of the butterfly. Now, our artistic people, they are constantly trying to use new images. They're always trying to come up with something different. And I almost never let them because I love the butterfly. If I ever get a tattoo, tattoo, it would probably be a butterfly. That ain't happening. But if I were, you know, and I think I could be man enough to wear a butterfly. But I love it. And here's why. Over 20 years ago, uh, there was a sermon series that I, that I heard, and this image of the butterfly was used in, in teaching the scripture, and it clicked in my head, and it made sense to me of what God was wanting to do in my life. And so since then, this has always been a favorite. I, I, this idea of God wanting us to get outside of the comforts of our chrysalis and to expand our wings and live out who it is God made us to be. Now, this picture is an important one. I, I want you to think about those of you who are not believers. I, I want you to understand what I'm talking to you about today is supernatural. It's beyond the physical realm. It, it's beyond something that you would be able to study in, in, in terms of science, but it's real. And, and this transformation, this power is of God. And I, I know it may be hard to imagine. I, I get it. But I want you to know it's true and it's real. As, as, as one person told me recently, caterpillar doesn't speak butterfly and butterfly struggles to speak caterpillar. There's just different categories. And so today, if you're in that chrysalis and you're not yet transformed by the power of what God can do, let me encourage you to know that God can do it and be open to the idea that he will. Now, some of you, many of you are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and there has been a transformation, but if you're honest, you're in your chrysalis. 
You're in this place, not where you're out flying, accomplishing and being what God died for you to be, but you're in a place that, that you feel is safe. And, and to a large part, for many of you who've been here for a while, uh, some of it, that is my fault. Because uh, honestly, I've taught many of you that that coming to church is the most important thing. I've taught serving the church and, and being a part of what God is doing in the world is the most important thing. And it is certainly an important thing and it's certainly a part of the Christian life. But I'm afraid what has happened is that there are many people who are members of Living Hope who have come to believe that the, the culmination and the fulfillment of their Christian life is being at church stuff and being inside the church. And so what has happened to many of you is you're, you're no longer out there making an impact for the kingdom of God. Instead, you're, you, you gather with the church, you gather with your group, you get around Christian people, you pray for Christian people, and, and you stay very safe, seemingly safe, within that chrysalis of Christianity. And I want to tell you that that's... That's not what God intends for us. Several weeks ago, I, I provided a, a crash course training in one-on-one -on -one disciple making. As a part of the training, you have to identify people that you know that, that, that don't seem to know and love and obey Jesus and, and begin to pray for how you can impact them. Of those 155, many of them were, all were members of Living Hope, many of them struggled to identify people that are involved in their life, in their home, in, in a very real close relationship that we're not Christians. See, what happens, the longer you're a Christian, the more you insulate yourself from non-Christians. And I dare say that there's not many of you who've been members of this church or walking with Christ for some time. If I were to ask you and demand of you to identify three people that you're right now pursuing a relationship with, to share Jesus Christ with, and, and, and are passionately, tearfully, compellingly praying for their salvation, many would struggle to do it. And I say that simply because of, of what I experienced the other night with our congregation. And so I want to say to those of you who don't believe yet, Come out of the chrysalis, believe in what God can do. I, I say to you who are Christians, you've, you've transformed, you're still just stuck in your chrysalis, to come on out, to come on out and fly, to come on out and be willing to get beyond what you know and what you're comfortable with to what God can do. Now, what does that look like for you? Maybe it's you beginning to share your faith at school or at work uh, amongst your family members. Maybe it looks like you multiplying, reproducing your small group so that others can begin to form into a group. Maybe it's you getting outside and going on a mission trip. I don't know what it is, but I would ask that you pray that God would give you eyes to see, that you would be willing to say, Lord, where am I unwilling to fly? Where am I unwilling to get out of my comfort and into your will? And give me faith. Give me faith to change. This is what we're talking about, life change. And as we begin this series and as we talk about that imagery, I want to also, I, I want to clarify one more thing before we get into our scripture, because I, I don't want you to misunderstand me, and I don't want to say something to you that, that is not right. When we're talking about life change, there's, there's two ways of approaching it. There's a huge difference between these two ways, by the way. There's a huge difference between behavioral modification and gospel transformation. I want to be very clear. I am not, and the Bible does not teach behavioral modification. 
The Bible is not about you behaving better. And, and here's what religion teaches, not Christianity, not biblical Christianity, I'm talking about religion. Sometimes called Christianity, sometimes called by other names. Here's the, the, the fundamental idea of religion. Behave and the deity will give you what you want. Don't behave and you don't get what you want. Scratch God's back, he'll scratch your back. And there's this idea and it's false, that if I'll change my behavior, then I'll get what I want. Friends, that is not, that is not what God wants us to pursue. Because it only changes stuff on the outside. And if, and, and if there was ever a time that, that Jesus Christ got ticked off, it's when people were doing that. So when we talk about behavioral modification, let me make sure I'm very clear on this. Living differently on the outside, but have no change on the inside. It's when you're doing something, even though it's not from your heart. It's, it's when you, okay, I'm going to church, my mom wants me to, my parents want me to, my friends want me to, they want me to. Yeah, I'm reading the Bible, I'm, yeah, I'm going to serve, yeah, I'm going to give, I'm going to do these things, but it's not in my heart. It's, it's, it's the illustration I've used with you before, the little girl, mom said, sit down in your chair. She wouldn't do it. Sit down in your chair. The little girl finally sits down and says, I'm sitting on the, on the outside, but not on the inside. See, what God is looking for is, is not behavioral modification. And again, if there was ever a time that Jesus Christ got ticked off, Matthew chapter 23, look what Jesus said. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. If Jesus Christ is calling you a hypocrite, that's a bad day. When he's calling you out in front of your friends and says, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgent, you blind Pharisee. And again, starting the, ser the service this morning, I asked and, and encouraged that we pray that God would give us eyes to see so that we wouldn't be blind, so that we can actually see that, that who God is and how he's at work. He said, you blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. God... God wants a gospel transformation. Now, what do I mean when I say that? Let me give you a definition. Becoming different on the inside and expressing it on the outside. So what God does, what the Bible teaches, is there is a supernatural transformation of heart and mind because the living God resides in those who repent and believe. And that change on the inside is then manifested on the outside. So because we believe, because we love, because God is alive in us, now, now it is seen, now it is there, now it's visible. Again, it's, it's, not, it's not doing what's on the outside so that we will be different on the inside. That's not how it works. It's being transformed on the inside so that, so that we can then live it for real on the outside. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, again, he says, for one time, look at the language on this. You were darkness. I mean, this is, friends, this is existential. This is being. This is like, this is, this is what you are. This is what you once were. You were darkness. What does that even mean? What does it mean to be darkness? I, I think it means to be lost. I think it means to be sinful. I think it means to have no concept of the reality of the supernatural being who is God and his love and his light and just trying to do your best and, and making a mess of things. You who were darkness, but now you are, look at this, again, a change in being, a change in existence, you are light. And because what has happened to you, because you're different from the inside, look what he says to do. 
walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. So what Scripture tells us to do is to be transformed on the inside. And that's a gospel transformation. That's a God-given transformation so that the outside will be different. You know, one of the things athletes do is, is oftentimes they will try to mask their injuries. They'll, they'll maybe tape them up. They'll maybe try to close them up. They'll maybe even try to numb that area that is hurt so that their, their, their competition won't necessarily know what's going on. Other people won't, won't know kind of what's happening to them and they can hide it. You know, Christians are the sometimes worst about this. You know, we, we have brokenness, we have pain, we have stuff that we need to deal with on the inside. But when we talk and when people are, hey, how's it going? Great. How's your marriage? Great. How are your kids? Man, they're great. You get home, I want to kill these people. <laughs> now, that, that doesn't mean that we go out and spill our guts to everybody and vomit our pain and problems all over everybody else. But what it does mean is that we need to acknowledge, friends, there is brokenness in our lives. There, 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 there are problems, there, there is pain. And the Bible is real clear about where that comes from. You know, we talk about the three circles here because it helps us understand reality. We understand that God's design is harmony, peace, but that's not what we're experiencing. No, we're experiencing sin and brokenness. Every pain that you have relationally comes from sin. So your worst pains in life come from sin. What God wants to do is He wants to change our hearts and lives and minds through the gospel, the good news of what God has done, so that we can pursue and recover God's design, so that we can live a new life, so that what is happening in His world happens in us. That's where life change begins. That's the origins, and that's what our text shows us today. It shows us, it's going to show us where life change comes from. So let's get into the Scriptures. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. The next three weeks, we're going to be in these three verses, and it wouldn't be a bad idea to go ahead and memorize uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. These are, these are three, uh, I, I would say, compelling and important scriptures to have. Uh, Ashton's going to read for us, so Ashton, come on up as he does. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. He's going to go ahead and read 8 through 10, but we're just going to focus on the first seven words. But for context's sake, let's read them all. Go ahead, if you would, Ashton. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would be seated. So let's understand, again, go to, go to verse 8, look at those first few words. First four. For by grace you. And look at this, for by grace you have been saved. Let's focus on the first three. Life change, understand, starts with God's grace. The kind of life change that we're talking about, that the Bible teaches, it starts with grace. So let's look at what grace does, what God's grace produces in order for life change to happen. First note, God's grace redeems our past. Now to unpack that, we're going to go back now and we're going to develop verses one through seven. So let's go back to chapter two of Ephesians. Let's go back to verse one. Let's talk about how God's grace redeems our past. It says, and you were, again, past, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. 
you once walked. It's past. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, past, it once was like that, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Every one of us is broken. We're born with a sin nature. Because our relationship with God is not right, it messes everything else up. We are all born sinners, and we naturally sin. That's why we don't have to teach our children to lie. That's why we don't have to teach them to throw a fit. They are all born in sin. We are all born in sin, and we all sin. Now, what, what our world is telling us to do is just to provide some behavioral modification procedures. And so they're offering what, they would, what many would call um, moral, moralistic therapy. And here's what it says. It basically says, don't take serious sin. I'm sorry, take sin serious. Because if you take your sin serious, it might make you sad. And the worst thing that can ever happen to a westernized person is that you would be sad. That is what many in the therapeutic community wanting to do good are communicating. Let's just keep everybody from being sad because that's the worst thing that could happen to you. Friends, that's not the worst thing that could happen to you. The worst thing that can happen to you is that you live deceived. And in that deception, cause more pain and suffering to your life and to the lives of those who are around you. See, what God is calling us to do is to see the truth and to see the reality. And the reality is sin is a sickness that causes brokenness. Now, again, I get it. What our world is saying is, hey, I'm okay, you're okay. And the, and the great new argument for excusing sin is, I was born this way. Hey, since I was born this way with this desire and this temptation, that means it's okay. No, it doesn't. Friends, every single one of us in this room are born sinners. And we all have desires and temptations that are called sin. And the worst thing we could do is to accept sickness and say, it's okay. Let's don't deal with it for fear that someone might feel sad. Friends, the saddest thing in the world would be to live in this state of brokenness, causing more pain, creating greater problems and, and, and devastation in your wake. What God is calling us to is to get over what we once were and to experience what we can be. Look what, how that happens. Look what it says in verse four. You might wanna underline these two words, but God. One of the greatest sermons I ever heard began with a pastor saying, there are some beautiful buts in the Bible, and this is one of them. But God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were lost, when we were darkness, when we were broken, when we were turning away from him, when we were pursuing our own worldly pleasures. He made us alive together with Christ. That's what John 3 is about. John 3, 1 through 18, being born again. It is a supernatural experience that happens by the Spirit of God. It's something that only God can do, but that we can receive, that we can experience. This is the gospel. 
Again, what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus is God and acted to rescue sinners from eternal death by becoming a man, living a holy life, dying on a cross to pay the penalty of sin, and being resurrected from death. Jesus will give eternal life to those who repent and believe in him. This is the gospel. And because of what Christ has done, we can now have a new life. We can now experience something powerful and supernatural that is of God. Now, in order to do that, again, using three circles, because this helps us understand reality, we have to get over this and pursue this. See, what the world is saying is, no, 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 no. Accept your sin and brokenness. Just take it for granted. Just say, you know what? I'm going to define myself by my sin. I'm going to call myself by my greatest addiction, by my greatest desire. And I'm going, to, I'm going to accept the brokenness that comes there, and I'm just going to wallow, and I'm going to live in it. I'm going to tell everybody else, hey, just tell me I'm okay. Tell me it's right. Don't call it a sin. Just tell me that's what I am. That's who I am, and just let me live this way. Friends, there's no kindness in that. There's no love in that. Where's love? Love is in saying, no, God came to give us new life. God came to transform us from the inside out. The first thing we got to do is repent, that is reject what we can do and believe, receive what God has done in Jesus Christ and receive new life, have our past pardoned, be given His love so that we can pursue and recover God's design and live in it. We can become the love of God. We can become the light of God. We can become life in Christ alone because of what he has done. What did he do? He paid for our sin. That's why when Jesus was dying on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, 2 Corinthians 5.21 was taking place. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That's how life change happens is that we allow God to take the penalty for our sin and we receive his righteousness so that we can live a new life. And this, this grace that God gives, it, look what it does. It, it redeems our past. It pays for it, sets us free. Secondly, it sustains our present. It gives us a new reality. By grace, you have been saved. That's past. And now raised up with him and seated, and he has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, those who have been saved by grace, we've been given a new position with God. We are now seated with him. That means we have access to him, and he has access to us. Because Christ is alive and the Spirit of God has come, we can live this supernatural existence where we have access to the best things in life, the privileges of heaven, God's power, God's gifts, God's provision. The air of heaven is breathed, the sweetness of life in all circumstances, no matter what you go through, whether it's, it's pain or pleasure, all of it with God's presence gives you hope. This is the air we breathe, the fellowship and the enjoyment of a family, the elevation of God's spirit. All of this comes as we receive this gift. Years ago, we were going to the Titans game, and the uh, T-Rack, the, the, the um, mascot of the Titans was out front, so we took a picture with him. And after we took this picture, I noticed him pull something out and, and hand something to Asher, uh, our youngest. And at the time, Asher wasn't Asher, he was Asher. And it sort of freaked me out because, you know, when, you know, people hand stuff to your kids, that's not cool, right? So I jerked that out and I looked at it and he gave me this sign and then he took off running. I was thinking, if this is something bad, I'm going to have to beat down a mascot on game day. I look at it and lo and behold, what is it? But 
it's two passes to go down on the football field while the Titans are warming up. That's right. <laughs> T-Rack is okay with me. Don't say a bad thing about him. So we did, we were able to go, but you know, while we were down there, we had these cool passes like, oh, oh. We're cool. You know, we're seeing all this stuff, but you know what would have been so silly? Is if we would have said, ah, you know, those guys are big. You know, it's kind of crazy out there. Maybe should we just stay in the tunnel? You know, we got our pass, but let's just stay in the tunnel, safer. You know, we can kind of hear people yelling and stuff, and I'm sure there's cool stuff going out there. We just kind of watch it. What a waste. That's not what we did. We're out on the sidelines. It was awesome because they started actually throwing the football back and forth with Asher, which was cool. And, and, and we had such a great time because we were willing to take that gift and get out there and enjoy it. And, and we were sustained by that gift. Whenever people were looked at us like, are you supposed to be here? Mm-hmm, that's where we belong. You know, Jesus Christ has come and he's given us access to the heavenly realm. And so many Christians just wanna sit in their little chrysalis. And rather than get out on the field, get out in the real world and enjoy what God can do, many are just satisfied with a behavioral modification that will do enough just to keep them and their kids or themselves out of the trouble. Friends, God wants more. Let me say it this way. Jesus Christ died for more. He died for us to be free to fly to be what God designed us to be. And he'll sustain it. He'll sustain us in it. You know, every day I pray for you. I pray for the sick within our body. I pray for God's blessing. And I pray the Aaronic blessing. And this is one of the most beautiful prayers in all the Bible in in Numbers chapter six. In Numbers chapter six, I pray this for you, but then I pray this in first person singular and I would encourage you to do the same. Pray it for our body and then pray this for yourself. This is Numbers chapter six. I pray the Lord bless me and keep me. The Lord make his face to shine upon me and be gracious to me. The Lord lift up your countenance upon me and give me your peace. This is the sustaining grace of God. He sees us, he knows us, he's with us. We can be confident of him. He's redeemed our past. And now look what he's doing. He is sustaining our present. And all of this within mind is this great grace of God that guarantees our future. So write it down. God's grace guarantees our future. Look what it says in verse seven. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Something better is coming, friends. We know this. The Bible tells us this. The Bible and, and, and very clear in, in, its, in its, the way it's constructed. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. God made all things in harmony. We blew it with our sin, so now the world is cursed. But Jesus came to rescue us. Good news, the restoration is coming. Now, this week, exactly on Friday and Saturday, in my Bible study reading, I was reading about that restoration, and it scared me. I was reading on, Ma- on Friday, Matthew 24, and yesterday, Matthew 25. Real quick, turn in your Bibles. I'm not going to preach it, but I just want, I want you to see what Jesus said. Jesus said in no certain, uncertain terms, he's coming back. And he said when he comes back, he's going to bring judgment. 
And he said, the signs of his return, there's going to be war and rumors of war. There's going to be disease and famine. And there's going to be a lot of pain. Sort of sounds like a place I know. And he goes on to describe his judgment. Now, a part of me is terrified by this because I still have people that I love that are not in Christ. And I know what this means for them. And at the same time, I'm thrilled because I know what it means for me. Because Jesus is my Lord and God is my dad and the Holy Spirit has filled me and sealed me until the day of judgment. And so no matter what I go through, he goes with me. This is the joy of the Christian life. Our past is redeemed. Our present is secure. And in our future, it, there's a guarantee that we are going to be with the Lord forever. And all of this is making us whole. So going back to Ephesians 2.8, for by grace, we've talked about God's grace and what it does. It, it redeems, it, it, it sustains, it guarantees. You have been saved. That is a perfect tense, completed action. That means it's making, it's made us whole and it's making us whole. I want to be very honest with you, of you who don't believe. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and become a disciple of his, that may not make your life easier. It will make it better, but I cannot guarantee it'll make it easier. We, we share this with our brothers and sisters who are in Iran and China and Afghanistan and parts of Africa because we know that their claim of Jesus Christ may cost them their life. You becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ it may not make your life easier. As a matter of fact, it may make your relationships more complicated. It may make your life more complicated. But what it will do is it will make it better because the power and the love of God will live in you forever. And that power and that love will see you through everything. And you will become more and more what you were designed to be. So when we talk about three circles, here's what we understand. When we repent and believe the gospel the first time, it's for salvation. And we begin to pursue and recover God's design. And as we begin to pursue and recover God's design, the, the, the sin that's still at work in our flesh, we recognize it and the brokenness it's causing. And so we repent and believe the gospel, not for salvation, but for what they call sanctification. That is the cleansing. It's becoming more like Jesus. It's more and more freedom from the sin and the brokenness that comes from disobedience to God. And the more we recover and pursue God's design, the more we can't tolerate, we can't stomach sin that once we were accepting of, because it's causing brokenness. So we repent of that and we believe the gospel, the power of God, the living God in us so that we can pursue and recover God's design that makes us more like Jesus. And our whole life, existence on this planet is becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. That's life change. That's what God can do. Friends, we're not talking about behavioral modification. We're not talking about anybody doing better. We're talking about what God can do. Let me ask you,
It says here that by grace you have been saved. Have you? Have you been saved? Has your life and eternity been changed? If so, are you flying? I mean, are you living the life Jesus died for you to live? Or are you hiding out in a chrysalis? Are you pursuing the comforts of your own flesh? Are you believing the lies of this world and the deception of sin? Friends, don't do that anymore. This morning, come get on your knees and receive new life. If you already have that new life, ask God to give you the courage to live it and pray for an awakening. Pray for a supernatural spiritual awakening that God can bring about because God brings life change. Amen? Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, there's some of us that need to talk to you this morning. Um, and we could easily go to our car and do that. We could easily, you know, kind of put that off. But Lord, we have this moment that uh, you have led us to, to be a part of our service where we can actually come get on our knees and maybe grab the hands of some friends or family and pray together, asking you to do miracles. And so, Father, that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing about Jesus and we're going to pray to you for miracles. Hear our prayer, O oh God. Do what only you can do. We promise to give you the praise for it. But please, God, hear us. Come and pray. Come and ask God to do a miracle.